All right, this is the Auto Week podcast number 59. I'm here with motorsports editor Mike Pryson. Hello. I'm uh, Rory. I'm the publisher of Auto Week and also the guy who puts the tape on the microphones. If you guys saw that earlier, it's kind of like a little side thing I do. Uh, this is kind of a special. Oh, really special. That's not kind of special. Yeah. This is extremely special. We have uh, some guests here. We have uh, Johnny O'Connell. Uh, go ahead and say hi, Johnny. Hi, everybody. Graham Ray Hall. Hello. Jordan Taylor. Hello. And Rick Mears. Hello. And they're not here. Uh, they're not here in the office. We're actually here at the Detroit Historical Museum, uh, launching a an exhibit, a special exhibit for the 30th running of the Detroit no Chevrolet Detroit Belle Isle Grand Prix, <laughs> presented presented by, pre- presented by Lear. That's, uh, <laughs> That's easy to say there. Um, so how's everything going, guys? All's good. Good. You guys, uh, obviously, media tour. What time did uh, Merrill have you guys up this morning? I think Grandma the earliest. Yeah, I was up at four thirty. Um, but that was that was my own fault. I I wanted to stay in Indy last night and come up this morning, so I'm ready for bed for sure at this point. What's going on in Indy? Is there something happening? It's a little busy this time of year in Indy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Any night you, was. Yeah, I think I heard something about <laughs> any night you get at home right now feels pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're here talking about Detroit. Um, obviously, we have um, some some history here. Everybody here, uh, we're kind of all star cast except Rick. Really, you've run here before, but we have the winningest and second winningest and third winningest. No. Well, I don't know where only, I stack the up. The only one yeah. ever to win both. The only one ever to win both. Weekend. Johnny is the winningest with six wins. Well, Jordan's. Let's, let's just start with Rick. Yeah, yeah, okay. Here. We'll, we'll yeah, we'll start with Rick. <laughs> Who's never won, but I has won four Indy 500s. Yeah, didn't yeah. win this place to save me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I said, I said earlier, one of the reasons I think I, I always used up all my luck at Indy. Yeah, so sure. You know, so what makes this harder than Indy? <laughs> you've got to turn two ways yeah <laughs> that is a little bit tricky it's different yeah. yeah yeah so you've been when when was your first detroit race oh god what was it 83 is it that would be about 89 right? Right? Yeah. Right? Uh, 82 80, 82 was the first year well the first the first but then, the first indy car yeah, you were yeah. 88 or 89 yeah, yeah. Right? they ran yeah. formula one that would have been 89 yeah. 89? Yeah. You were on the street, though. You were yeah. on the street. Yeah, we were yeah. on the street. Yeah. I never ran Bell Isle. Oh, you would have conquered Because I retired night. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be in trouble there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we could have had oh, yeah. six or seven by now. <laughs> Talk about 89, though, on the streets down here. I mean, that had to be just an incredible sight. It was great. It really was, you know, running through the city. And it just, you know, the there was elevation change, you know. The elevation changes, you'd turn up a block and go up a block up a hill and then down through underneath the car parks and stuff, you know, in, the, in and out of the shadows. And then there was one uh, area, I don't know what building it was at, but we actually ran through a tunnel. Nice. And, uh, you know, you go from bright daylight to, to, to shade all of a sudden. And, uh, a matter of fact, I had somebody start looking into a, a shield that would help me with that at that time, but which I think they're all done that way now. But... Uh, the only trouble we had is early, the early days is early days of, of ground effects with the low pressure under the car, and uh, we were sucking the manhole covers up. Wow! So you you, you didn't want one of those in your lap. <laughs> so so this uh, this race obviously um, long history. Detroit. One thing that everybody says when they come to town is I can't believe how much the town has changed, the actual city and the scene. Yes. So tell us a little bit about off the track what it was like coming to Detroit back at that time. Uh, and maybe contrast that a little bit with what you see today. 
Well, now you're really testing my memory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it, I don't, it, you know, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to tell. I mean, just everything has, has progressed. You know I mean? It's a, to me, the biggest things that I've seen, because at the, at the races, you know, we were here, hotel, racetrack, hotel, racetrack. We didn't really get, a lot of times get to get out and around much, um, you know, due to scheduling. But, uh, uh, it's really been a steady growth, especially here in these later years, as far as the city, you know, rebounding, coming back, and and I think I think the the race here has been a big help to that part of it. Sure. Um, so it's it's great to see, and I know how hard, you know, Mr. Penske and and everybody has worked, you know, to try to help out, you know, all we can to to do that. So, but in the early days when they first started talking about running here, I thought that you know that's a no-brainer. You know, we should be here. It's not when or whatever we should do it and uh you know the motor capital of the world we need to be here with all now, of our partners. Rick, there was a lot of years when mr penske was adamant about cleaning up the city a little bit before the yes. events you know making it look good he didn't have you out sweeping the streets or anything did he <laughs> oh yeah, a month or two before yeah <laughs> no no he uh he, he got that handle on his own uh, believe me he doesn't need a lot of help but uh no he he's He's just great at that. He really is. And it doesn't matter where. I mean, whatever he gets involved with, he's going he's gonna to raise the bar. That's what, that's what his life's all about is raising the bar. And you've been a lifelong Penske employee, it sounds like. Pretty much. I, you know, I ran for two small teams for about a season and a season and a half maybe and then signed on with Roger and been there ever since, and that was 78. Pretty good decision. <sighs> awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I've got no complaints. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, you're talking about the park. That's So that's my neighborhood park. It's yes. like across the street from uh, where I live. And every year after the race, it's fun to walk around and be like, oh, that's brand new. Oh, that's brand new. Like the, it's like oh, the upgrades, yeah. The, uh, the Penske ferries have been here and fixed this broken thing. And But every year you can tell the difference. It's, it's a huge, yeah. uh, like, like you said, the difference between the park in 2010 or 2011 to now is yeah. just absolutely night and day fountain works i heard graham talking earlier about maybe jumping in the fountain if uh I, the opportunity presents itself i said that well hunter ray kind of started that uh now tradition i guess that everybody's going to be under pressure to have to jump in the fountain in the years in the year that i won uh the fountain wasn't operable yet sure. so He's thinking about going for the river. <laughs> yeah, you got to go bigger than the town. You might never find me again, but I'll be somewhere in there. Down in Toledo, you'd be yeah. Yeah, halfway home. Yeah. Graham, that 2017 weekend, though, best weekend of your life? I mean, dude. I'll say this. It was this. I mean, somebody asked me that the other day, and I mean, you know, I grew up. I'm not saying this because we're in Michigan, but I grew up in, in Ohio. <laughs> and so to win it, win it mid-Ohio was probably the best, you know, the be, that was the best day of, of, my, of my life so far, my career. getting married? Well, Courtney. You don't. Okay. I'm just yeah. hoping. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm hoping she's that. not listening. <laughs> she, there's no, no uh, way she listens to this podcast. But, uh, and I'm not going to send it to you her. You know, mid-Ohio was, was awesome. But as far as a race weekend, you know, it's, it's – it's probably never going to be any more ideal or perfect than that. I think we were just fortunate that it, you know, that it worked out the way it did. And, you know, in our sport too, you know, with these yellow flags and closing the pits, it, it can take, you know, somebody who's leading and dominant all weekend and make them finish 20th. Um, you know, that's just the way that luck kind of has it sometimes. And on that given weekend, it, that didn't bite us either. So, yeah, I mean, it just felt, uh, it felt, felt so good to, uh, 
you know, to get that, uh, to get that accomplishment for sure. So as an Ohioan, does this feel a little bit like coming into the big house and stomping Michigan, uh, coming into Detroit? I mean, I know you can't, you probably don't want to say, but I, I did feel- actually, after the race, I was a little bit hyped up and I, uh, you know, I, I think I, I made a comment remember. about like, <laughs> You know that an Ohioan came up and won in Michigan yet again, like not we always do, or something. Yeah. Not <laughs> but, an unusual circumstance. But you know, the truth is, at Ohio State now, there's a lot of Michigan kids, so uh, you know, kids from here. But yeah, I don't know. It's it, you know, this has been a cool race for me though, because my whole life, the races that were kind of close to home, you know, Mid Ohio, obviously Cleveland Grand Prix, uh, Detroit, you know, Indy actually really early in my life disappeared. You know, sure. with the split, I I didn't go to Indy for. I think the first time I went back was maybe like 2005 or, wow. or six or something, you know? So, uh, you know, these races were the races that kind of formed my love for the sport and for what we do, because that's, that's where I got to spend, uh, the most time. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, so Jordan, you're, you're back, um, had a tremendous amount of success here. You're a little bit lighter than you were a month or two ago. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. How's like, that feel? Do you feel a little bit quicker in the car? A little lighter. Add about ballast? Half pound, half so they pound? add ballast for yeah, that? Or? Yeah. No, just a little appendix. Okay, yeah. yeah. How was that? Was that? It wasn't great. Was that as fun as everybody tells it me it is? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we were on vaca- a family vacation in Hawaii, and it was the week of Long Beach, uh-huh. and I woke up Sunday night. If you've had appendicitis, it's pretty uncomfortable. Sure. And uh, I couldn't sleep through the night, so I walked to the doctor down the street, and he couldn't diagnose it, so I went to the ER, and spent the night there and they took it out that night in Hawaii uh, in Hawaii and they then, have regular doctors and everything over there <laughs> thankfully like a, it's America so <laughs> yeah. so everything was okay um but yeah there were some funny stories that came out of that but then Long Beach was the same week so we brought in Kobayashi as a as a backup but thankfully well actually when I went into surgery that surgeon said it was zero percent chance that I would drive uh-huh. and then I texted my family doctor as I was going to surgery like what are the chances I drive and then I woke up out of surgery and it said zero percent so then I was pretty upset when I woke up, but they said, if you can walk and run, um, you should be fine. There's no fear of re-injury or sure. injuring something else or anything rupturing. So I was driving no matter what. After yeah. That. So speaking of uh, Kobayashi, you've had some interesting teammates. I wanted to ask you, you hear from Jeff Gordon and all those guys, uh, some of your, some of your Daytona, your endurance racing teammates. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about Fernando earlier. Um, Jeff. Now what's going on with Fernando? Uh, that's a name I haven't What's heard he in a little while. This week. Now, no, is it Monica? Yeah, no, because yeah. I feel like he had something planned uh, to do this week, and maybe not. Yeah, it might be a sore subject. Okay, yeah. okay, so maybe maybe we don't go down yeah. that road too too far. Uh, he'll be back. He'll be fine. Oh, yeah. He uh, might be available for, sure. for the next podcast. I mean, Shit, he's, we should. He's got yeah, some time. We should, uh, we, should. we should call him up. <laughs> you, you, you probably have his. We could, his we could call him right now. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's see. Phone a friend. What's the time di- di- differential right now in Spain? Um, so, Johnny, this is uh, you're a longtime GM guy, Corvette racing, uh, Cadillac racing as well. Uh, what's it like being back in Detroit um, and, and not being on the track what's it what's it like kind of taking this in as as a fan and as a spectator it is uh it's difficult you know to be honest with you it is you know you spend your whole life getting yourself mentally prepared and you're you know it's like you know you that you have a reason to go to the gym you have something every day to think about and when that part of your life is kind of taken away 
uh, it's challenging. You, uh, you, and it doesn't mean you still don't enjoy the events and love the events. And, you know, one of the best things uh, I can say, the coolest things about motorsports is the, the friendships that you can make with people within the paddock, but then also the fans. It is the most fan-friendly sport in the world. So, you know, that's kind of like takes a little bit of the sting of, of, of not being out there and, and suiting up and waking. You know, it's for some guys, they don't, you know, the night before a race, they can't sleep. Yeah. You know, I could always sleep pretty well because I just run laps in my head, and that would put me to sleep you know and so uh you miss that and you know maybe you know rick could probably speak to that as well because it's it is so much of your the intensity you can't find it but you get to eat whatever you want yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but but do you (laughs) only now and then do you But, Johnny, you're the, the, you're the king of Detroit. I mean, the king of the Detroit Grand Prix, right? I mean, everybody's shooting for your number. I, but that's because I think I've done this race more than everybody else, <laughs> you know. But, uh, we don't need to get into it, the it to, went to the age six, six, wins, yeah. uh, six wins in Detroit is pretty impressive. It, I don't care what you're driving. I Always in good stuff. And, uh, and again, when, you know, certain races you want to win. You know, I mean, it was funny because we were talking earlier and, and Rick was like, I never won here. And there's not a driver in the world. There's certain ones that you want to win that would not give up everything, including their children, to have an Indy 500. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Actually, I'd probably pay to give up my children. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but they don't uh, listen either. So it is. Uh, I mean, it. It. Uh, you know. I mean. You, and, and the funny thing is, and Rick can probably attest to this. When you win at a racetrack once, now you know what to do. You know where your mind needs to be. So it's the first win that's always the hardest. But once you get one, finding a second and finding a third because mentally you know where you need to be. No, it, it definitely helps. It, whether it's confidence level, whether it's just a feel, a natural feel that you, you, you know what you want to feel, you know, to get the car back to where it needs to be. And, and it just kind of builds on itself as time goes on. So I'll kind of open this up to everybody. Uh, are there memories or, or moments that stick out? I know Graham probably already covered the big memory that sticks out for you. Are there memories that stick out from this Detroit race that is something that's special? I know, you know, like Rick said earlier, a lot of this is show up at the track, go to the hotel, go back to the track, get back on the plane. Kind of that's the lifestyle, right? But is there stuff that sticks out to you guys is, is especially great from this, this race? This is this is maybe a little cheeky, uh, but uh, that's fine. We go all all the way but, cheeky. So like in the Cadillac days, before every race, Mark Royce would come up to me, right? Give me a hug, you know. All right, good luck, go get him. You know, we'd win, we'd win, we win. The only year he did not come up and do that, we didn't win. And so I actually kind of blame Mark Royce. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, next time I see him, I'm going to yeah, mention yeah. that to him. We won. But Mark didn't stop by. Uh, every win is. It's funny because I think every win, every race, you can still recall and remember. You know, I'm actually more apt to remember my Indy Lights race. Indy Lights race in '91. And yeah, '91, where I was, you know, dicing it up with a guy, spun in turn two, tried to select reverse gear, and it broke. And right. uh, so you, I actually remember the failures just as much. So, I'm sure that stuff probably sticks with you too. I mean, not just here, but generally like those moments where you had it or you felt like you had it and then it goes away from you. Is there anything else we want to cover from Detroit? or? Uh, I think for me the special one was that uh, 2014 it was the first race that Ricky, my brother, and I won together. So that was a cool one. Yeah. One to remember. And it was one he finished the race basically on three wheels because it was just a crazy race with the five car 
and he got driven into the wall in the last lap, and we lost the lead. And then when the, the guy got damaged from that, his tire went flat, and then Ricky drove back by him <laughs> with a ridiculous amount of damage. So what's now that now that you guys aren't teammates anymore? What is so family vacation? You guys are hanging out or he whatever. Was in Hawaii, but he flew home. Yeah. After, okay. During surgery, he flew home still. Oh, didn't he work. left you? Yeah. Everything was under control. Abandoned you. He drives for take care of him tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> drives for Penske, man. You got to be on time. Yeah. <laughs> no excuses. Yeah. Your teammate, he'd still be there. Yeah. 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 Dude, I've been holding my hand. Getting back to that story, why were you walking yourself to the to the ER rather than having family drive you? Oh, well, it was, thankfully it was down the street. Yeah. Yeah. And they were all asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't want to bother anybody yeah. with Well, the, I thought, yeah. I mean, I was just hoping it was just a stomach ache or something. Yeah. But yeah. I walked. <laughs> How are we doing on time, Earl? Okay. Uh, we can do it now. Uh, all right, guys. Shorter, obviously, than, than we would like. Um, I wanted to quickly invite the field here. We have a uh, if if, Johnny, you want to get out. We have an event, I think most of you have probably heard of it, uh, up in northern Michigan at the end of the summer. The It's a, a short hill climb event. It's actually a 20-second run, I think. I yeah, think we talked about you it. You talked about yeah. it last year. Super intense, uh, very, very quick. The current record is held by uh, P.D. Cunningham. I was going to say, this you is the P.D. did. Yeah. yeah. And he, uh, he, he seemed to suggest that the record was unbeatable so uh and i i actually don't know that that's not true it, he was extremely extremely quick i think the previous record was like 21 seconds and he did it in 18 oh something but uh there was a lot of leaves and stuff on that car. oh yeah no he went off he went off he actually went off a, a later run yeah, yeah uh trying to break the record and he claimed that was a 17 so yeah. there's still some speed left in that course if you guys want to give it a whirl <laughs> we can probably hook you up you just need a car uh which i'm sure any of you could probably come up with uh, I, I a ride go back and get, get on the diet and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that kind of event yeah you can it's kind of a hot dogs and beer type of thing. <laughs> those uh, are good ones <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But it's a great trophy, too. I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's, <laughs> you guys have some trophies? This is a very, very good trophy. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining awesome. us. Uh, you, real you. pleasure and a real treat for us. So and Good luck this uh, next week at uh, Belle Isle. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Good luck to you this yep. Good luck uh, to Graham uh, at that thing that's happening down there in Indy. <laughs> Indy. All right. <laughs> Okay, we are back in the studio after uh, that interview, which took place, uh, what, two weeks ago, a week ago? A week and some change, yeah. Yeah, um, so we've just been sitting in the studio waiting since then. It's been it's, weird. Yeah. A lot of, the same pizza guy has delivered multiple pizzas, and yep. it smells bad in here. We have... Uh, it always smells bad in here. Wesley. Oh, hey. Wesley, no show notes. Uh, uh, Ren, the executive producer trying something new today we're gonna to do a little bit of a free form well, kind of a improvisational mostly, a, mostly an pod inter- interview driven pod this um, time so price in that much direction uh mike price yeah, yeah. Our, uh, guy back from indy yep and then robin he just um he went to lunch over at the rooster tail that's right i think about at a little after 10 in the morning yep um back well, now, what's so. the rooster tail is that a nice place the, the Rooster Tail is a place right on the water, right on the Detroit River, that looks at the north end of Belle Isle. Yeah. And yep. there's a lot of boats. 
It's like it's right like a marina, um, and they have some event space and some conference space, some weddings. I've been to a couple weddings, nice weddings there. So it's a nice place. It's not. It's a you know, it's been remodeled recently. Yeah, no, um, it, was, it was nice. Nice enough. Uh, it can't beat the location. It is it is um, a classic, as they say in in uh, in Detroit. It's it's been around for quite a while. It's huge during the uh, the hydroplane races. That's where you want to watch from. And that's where it got its name. It's uh, like a root. It's not actually tail from the jet boats. Uh-huh. Ah, I get it now. But yeah. more importantly, you were there to prepare for the upcoming Grand Prix, which is happening tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. And, and, okay, you know, but the rooster tail. Ba- the rooster tail is not about uh, a three piece or a four piece uh, chicken dinner. No, there's no rooster at no all. Rooster there's at no rooster. There's no rooster at all. Although, uh, ironically enough, they did serve the chicken at lunch. You did generally, generally eat the hens. They did yeah. have chicken, though. Yeah, yeah they did. They okay, did. well. But there were no tails. So anyway, uh, we came from... Uh, we just are coming off this this wonderful... That was a fantastic... Uh, ...opportunity to email... Or to email. <laughs> oh, there was to emailing involved. Email uh, my wife. No, to email Rick Mears and uh, Graham Ray Hall, Johnny O'Connell, Jordan Taylor... Um, Great guys. Cool. Very cool of them to spend some time with us uh, last week um, in advance of Indy, uh, back when they didn't know who was going to win. Graham didn't know that he was going to uh, not win. crash uh, because Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, he didn't know that he was going to be screaming in Sebastian Bourdais' face. Now, I will, uh, I will say. getting pinched. Uh, Rory. Yeah, Graham wasn't thrilled about that. Yeah, no, I'd probably hit him. I Like, he... he, he he looked very mad, but he, I, in my mind, he showed a lot of restraint because that was kind of a. If bad. this was NASCAR, he would have thrown his helmet. Yeah, well, I well, mean, it would have been great. I think he thought Graham's about it. <laughs> Graham's a pretty big guy too. Yeah, right? he's, no, he's tall. He's, he's tall. I, I don't know how big he is. Well, as far as race drivers go, though, he's got he's, a long reach. He's got that reach going. Yeah. Um, Not everybody in that room didn't know who was going to win the Indy 500. I did. I definitely did. Um, you know, we kind of did. Wesley. No. No. Well, okay. I mean, I I believe we can run the tape back. Yeah. All right, Wesley, Speaking of throwing helmets, run the tape back. <laughs> no, you and this is actually Wes is going to run the tape back right now, um, to show you our predictions from Indy, uh, from pre-Indy, um, but before we knew that Paginot would take the. Uh, before you guys knew, it's true. Yeah, winning from the pole. Ooh, grimy Simon, my guy, <laughs> Miss Simon Pagano. Perrier I think, drinking I think, Simon Pagano. Yeah. I think this is his year. I I've listened and, and seen him a little bit in, in some post race stuff. He's got the eye. He looks He's focused. Got that twinkle. He looks mean. He's yeah. awesome. He uh, and he oh, genuinely also is like one of the best guys uh, that I've, I know in racing. So yeah. before, and before, and before I knew we, the rules were, if someone else took Pagano, I couldn't take him. That's right. Yeah, those those are that, always the rules. You know, in horse racing, uh, one then, guy picks the winning no, horse. No, wait a minute. In horse the, racing, you can have multiple winners. No, no. Only, More than one guy runs up to the window after the race. No, only one person per horse. Well, that's that's because wow. they run, yeah. they run multiple races. Yeah. Wow. So they must have a lot of horses because I see a lot of people at the, at those races. Yeah, a lot of. I if mean, everybody can only pick one. How often do you go like to the to the horses? No, no. I Mike, watch it on TV. I, you watch the the betting the betting window. Well, no, the, we actually I, had a pretty. Maybe good, there's uh, only one person that goes up there to the window. After, yeah, after that's what I'm saying. Wow. We um. That's why they call him Mike OTB Pryson. That wow. was the way that I understood it. Um, man, we went to um. It used to be OCB, the old old country buffet, but. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, cutting that one out. Roy, what were you going to say? Um, anyway, so I won that. I think... Uh, yeah, you did. Congratulations. Yep, I won. What was the bet? Everybody... I think it was pretty much just everyone's a lot paycheck of pride. For we, the, oh, was it paychecks? Uh, wasn't it? Sucks. Wasn't everybody... I think it was all of Mike's paychecks for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, oh. So anyway, I got that. That was cool. 
Um, but you were moving back into you were there. Yeah. What yeah. was what was it like down in the uh, the hundred and third running? It was rad, man. I um I didn't make any arrangements this year to go. Uh, except just kind of last minute, got an Airbnb. Stayed right on the the uh, canal there, mm. uh, it's downtown. An, it's nice. Uh, it's, the canal's one of my favorite spots in Indy. It was cool. They, um, they recently cleaned it. It looked very clean. Um, but uh, it just kind of walked in with my credential and two babies and the wife and uh, made our way around the track, um, sat in some places that I've never sat at before. Um, with, oh. the, the, with the pedestrians, with the... Oh, Civilians, yeah. the regular guys, uh, just kind of like it was pretty much it was weird because you have a press credential so you can go anywhere. But because I had two babies with me, it was pretty much just like a general admission. Mm-hmm. So I got in the door with the press credential and then just walked around, um, sat up on that hill over towards the back of the golf course in the back straight there. It was mm-hmm. great. Um, walked around, watched with uh, watched in front of the pagoda for a while. I went and saw my cousins. My, uh, I think I've mentioned on the pod before. My grandpa had tickets back in like the '60s, and they're still every year. My family has been renewing them since then. So uh, that's where I met your cousins, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So you should they, come visit us up on the pagoda area. Yeah, we, you know, we, I didn't know if I could do that. How do you do that? You just walk in. Pretty much, that guy you own the place, and I didn't know. I, I've never been up there, oh, so okay. I um because usually I watch it from a suite or from the stands. Sure. But I never, so I I probably should have done that. Um, well, what what was the what was the weather threat like since you were well, outside think, for a lot? I of think it. probably everybody knows that, but it was supposed to rain, right? And it didn't. Uh, but which, like, did were there any well, were there any times you were looking at the sky that no, you got nervous? No, no I didn't. I, I I stayed up in Muncie. I wasn't able to do the uh, the Airbnb. The, the Wait, thing. they put you in Muncie? No, I put myself in Muncie. It was kind of um, a bad deal. It was a bad deal. From what, yeah, it was. I thought you said you were right next to the track. I was pretty close to the track, but uh, the train track. Yeah, so, it, it, from it, I was, it was the wrong side of the <laughs> track, so where my hotel was. So I I went up to Muncie, and anyway, coming down from Muncie on race day, I left about four thirty because I want to be there. You know, not too far after the the lots open at five a.m. because they do oversell those lots. They, oh yeah, I found you that know, out. yeah, that's not a good situation for people that show up a little later in the morning expecting to you know, park up next to the track where their parking uh, pass was and find out, oh, I'm sorry, the lot's full. I like parking at the uh, the elementary school there. There you go. In Speedway. So anyway, coming down from Muncie about 4.30 in the morning, I couldn't see for about the first uh, 15, 20 miles. It was raining so hard, lightning, thunder. I get about maybe 10 miles from the track. It was perfectly dry, and yeah. it never did rain. It, we never got anything it was at, like at a, the Speedway. It was awesome. I was watching the radar all day, obviously, because of the kids' situation. I, and... um I uh, kept kept seeing these big kind of storm systems form and then break up over the track. And that, you know, when when I started seeing that happening in the morning, it was like there's no way it's going to rain today at all because it like it, it seems like maybe it was too hot in India or something. You know, like the it was cities weird. heat up. And yeah, they, they uh, become a high pressure zone. Yeah, and they break up everything. It happens in Detroit all the time. Um, like the suburbs will get a ton of rain. We'll we'll stay completely yeah, dry. It makes no sense. Um, but anyway, um, I just learned about that well, yeah, last month. Cause it's because all the the cities have like uh, everything's paved, so they hold a ton of heat, and so the heat stays in the city and creates like a bubble over the top, and uh, any of the the wet weather that comes it will break wow. up. So like 
Atlanta. And if you live in a floodplain, your house will flood. Yeah. Wow, weather, a weather segment on the podcast. Yeah. No, Atlanta, I think, had a big drought, I want to say, like in the 80s or 90s, <laughs> where that, like, they didn't get rain for a really, really long time. But the suburbs were like flooded, yeah. But it was, um, it was because of that, because yeah. everything's paved. Anyway. Well, we talked to Ed Jones uh, to tease a, uh, a later segment in this podcast. Yeah. And he says there were drivers down there that thought they'd be there till Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, just the way the weather pattern was looking and Yeah, like looking the across the country, you could see the... You could see the a lot um, of what, um, well, ton weather. weather. Yeah. But like I said, as soon as in the morning when I saw that stuff come in and then break up and come in and it break up, I was like, we're going to be good. But... It turned out to be a perfect day, though. It was awesome. And um, we watched the final... Uh, 18 laps after the caution, um, after Sebastian Bourdais. So where were you then for the final couple laps? Right up on turn one. Um, okay. With uh, Jimmy and Kate. Um, because that's where all the passes were, yeah. pretty much. The, yeah, so those we last were, 13 laps. We were right there, and it was it was phenomenal. I mean, like, it really is not a bad seat at Indy, um, that I've sat in. Um, you know, you're either like high enough up to see the entire track or you're close enough to to get a real feel for the action so like the or you're passed out in the infield or you're to- which we saw a lot of people sleeping <laughs> uh, they were sleeping <laughs> that's what you know resting mary was like uh was like uh you know she would be like sleeping sleeping and when we would walk by these guys <laughs> uh, she's like two and be like yep he's just really tired there's like a guy sitting on a cooler just sitting upright on a cooler with his legs crossed a totally passed out <laughs> arms crossed there's a, a young woman who he was protecting his beer yeah a young woman who fell asleep in the um in one of the uh uh, uh sand traps on the golf course and i probably felt really good actually yeah but we we definitely like gave an extra look to make sure she was breathing and stuff just in case <laughs> so that's a dad mode and you're kicking in yeah you don't want to see anybody get killed out there um but i think probably her friends just parked her there you know what i mean just kind of like okay we're gonna go watch the race and you uh can fend for yourself they're totally passed out in the infield anyway she'll wake up thinking she's in lake michigan yeah I mean, you know right. i'll say this much about like that passing out while there's a bunch of race cars running a race Take some skill. Well, both the babies passed out. Uh, they, the, the Mary, the older one, was every time we would pull into a gas station on the way down, she was like, "Car race, car race, car race." She like she was so <laughs> geeked out, and then we got there, and she was awake for like an hour, and then fell asleep, um, and pretty much slept until that final caution. But super cool to see um, to see the. I mean, obviously, the end of the race, everybody saw it was phenomenal. Um, Simon Pagano is a big, uh, a big favorite among the family. Uh, the girls are, are big fans of his. Um, we, we met him and Will Power a few years ago at, at the Detroit Auto Show, and um, they've kind of kept up with those guys uh, more than more than some of the other drivers. At least Christina has, and and Mary has. Although Mary has like a real thing for watching Elio on TV when she. I don't know if it's like. He's like uh, his like <laughs> he's uh, more exotic looking guy, you know. Being from, uh, he's got that dark skin and like big, big eyebrows and like dark hair. She really digs him and has since he was a little. She was a little baby, but anyway. Um, Pansky's got nice guys for drivers. I handsome. She's got a bunch of handsome guys out there, <laughs> and it's always like that for yeah. the most part. I mean, yeah, well, he, he knows, man. It's part. It's like you know, you want to get him on TV. You want to get the. Uh, yeah. The sponsors excited about him, but anyway, um, so everybody around me, 
you know, I think there was a lot of people in the crowd generally who wanted to see Rossi um, pull it off, but everybody in my immediate vicinity was going absolutely bonkers. I have some really great videos of, of uh, everybody screaming and, and getting excited. So it was, it was super cool to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rossi, it would have been fine to see him win, but... Well, and what was great on top of everything else you just described was to have the Honda Chevrolet shoot yeah. out right at the end. Yeah. And to me, at least, it looked pretty clear that Chevrolet had the edge on horsepower. Well, I, I think Rossi said it. Yeah, well, Rossi definitely yeah. said it, yeah. <laughs> but I, The I, losers I, are usually going to say that the yeah, yeah. that beat them has more horsepower. But I yeah, think the car in front of me was uh, faster. It was, a, it was a really phenomenal finish. And I think, too... Um, you know, obviously both guys deserved it, but the the, the narrative of, of Rossi's entire race and the amount of times that he should have been out of that race, either getting uh, the fueling issues that he had, he had a 23-second pit stop, I think. He had um, a ton of guys uh, who were back markers, including Elio. Um, who wouldn't let him buy? Uh, he had uh, he worked or- it, or- yeah. <laughs> and he he drove a hell of a race. So you know, I would not have been hurt at all to see him win. I think that would have been a fantastic story. But like I said, the uh, girls have a soft spot for for uh, Simon, and also a super great dude, and has always been like super generous with us at Auto Week, and um, just a guy who you like to see succeed. And I, you know, there was some chatter. Um, which I don't really think was was probably uh, based in fact, but there was some chatter about you know maybe that Penske seat going to a guy like Rossi next year, um, because Simon's been struggling with the new Aero packet or with the new. Uh, well, he had a twenty-two car. race drought, yeah. before the Indianapolis Grand Prix, which he won, yeah. before winning the Indy Five. I think so. he's probably fine now. Uh, well, he's one of only eight drivers in Penske's all-time stable that has won a championship and a 500, yeah. and all the other seven are legends and lifers for Penske. Yeah. So uh, whether there was something in the works, uh, I think that kind of got pushed aside. Yeah, and, I mean, I think... And Rod- unless the other three guys now are, are kind of, oh, how, how's my status? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's that was the thing, too, is like you've got Will Power, uh, Simon, and those guys have all accomplished an awful lot in the last three years. So and, like, and Castro Nevis has got to ride for life in the 500 yeah, if he wants it. Yeah. You know? So I, I don't, I don't, like I said, I, I don't know how you uh, would put any of those guys in the hot seat for, even for a guy like Rusty, who's phenomenal. But he's 10 years younger than Page now. So you think if you're building for your future, now again, Roger Penske's 82. But here's what's here's, his future? Here's is the he, other is thing. He, is now, he building for 10 years down the road or three? Here's the other thing. If you're Penske and you don't have to decide now. So it's not like, it's not like you're a, a baseball franchise or like a, um, you know, a basketball team. You, your window doesn't close. If you're Roger Penske, if you want, a guy like Rossi, if you want a guy, whoever the next hot up and comer, whether it's Herta or whoever, you just say, "Hey, you want to come drive for Penske?" and they come. Like it's it's not like you know what I mean. It's not like it's not like you're gonna miss your window. I think that that they're kind of uniquely positioned, especially in IndyCar, just to pick the guys that they want. Right. Well, and but let's also not forget that um, when Castroneves last left full time. That's because Penske went from four cars to three full time. Yep. Penske could theoretically go back to four cars full time if they wanted to. Yeah. Four, five, six, thirty-three. They could, they could be running the Auto Week Penske, the 
that car. That, uh, uh, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Penske you can't take it with him. I might. He, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts to yeah. shaving off part of his empire and saying, "I want to run four or five cars." Uh, may, possibly. I don't yeah. know. I don't know if he has a mindset for that. But uh, you know, he's he's certainly in a position that, as you were saying, Roy, if if he wanted to, he could make things happen. Yeah. But I if would. there's anybody else that's as competitive as Penske, it might be Michael Andretti. Sure. Who's sitting at, I guess he has six wins, which is second. I mean, it's a distant yeah. second, but he's going to do everything in his power to lock up Rossi. Yeah. I mean, Rossi's the guy you want for the next 10 years in that sure. series. Sure. But yeah, yeah I, I, like I said, I have a feeling that, that if, um, I, I, I don't know of any driver who's turned down a Penske seat. Right. Ever. <laughs> I mean, I've never heard anybody say, yeah, I got the and call from offered Roger. It. And I was like, well, let me think about it. Well, I mean, I turned down the Penske seat to join you guys here. Is that true? No. That's it. That would yeah. be a great story, though. Let's, yeah. We got to dig and find, find the one guy that does not. <laughs> I don't think that's going to That's not true at all. I no, might, that I might, if, if patently that, false. If that was true, I might have to let you go just for being a <laughs> just just so poor, poor judgment <laughs> yeah. for disrespecting yeah, right. Roger. Yeah. I'm sure that person is not driving in the series no. yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. Although I do have to say, speaking of Penske drivers, the one guy that seemed to have a pretty big chip on his shoulder was Will Power, yeah. who got pretty angry about the fact that he was penalized uh, because the the rules were ridiculous, and that did indeed. He ended up like 20th, he had to yeah. work his way back. But in a pit stop, when he hit his crew member. Well, you know, whose fault is that, though? That's the crew guy's fault to me. He, it, it, wrong well, place. But it's the Penske. It was Will Power's team's fault. That's what it, well. So, so maybe penalize that guy a couple laps, the true member. Make him run. I, not but, the driver. Stand I mean, him up, make him run a couple Will, laps. Power, Will Power came into the pit, no, I know, pit I lane that. sideways, yep. and he hit something that hit the driver, that hit the, the crew member. Yeah. And uh, and so for me, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, it's messed up yeah, that that but happened, but you, you hate, did make a mistake, but and you did hit someone. But, yeah, but it wasn't really his see, fault. Yeah, you hate to see it, as I said. Yeah, but I mean, someone, another driver did something effectively the same and just got a little bit more sideways and that guy ended up on a crot on a on a stretcher it's tough it's just hard to penalize the driver for that one yeah. for I the driver know. driving well, the car that as, hit the person as i told exactly I as, mean, I told exactly wesley, saying, right? as i told wesley <laughs> why did that guy jump over the wall if he didn't if he was afraid of getting hit by a car he should have stayed on the other side of the wall there's a it's big true. wall there there's he all may have, he may be in the wrong business. I think yeah. that that wall's made out of concrete. Yeah, even. you could just hide it's over not there. Like, it's not like <laughs> the refueler. <laughs> it's not like the refueler is the one that penalized willpower. But oh, I he mean, should have. The sanction, the sanction body says you can't hit your equipment. You can't hit your crew. I think, and he hit his crew. I think, and his equipment. I think they uh, they should have worked that out. The two of them together as men, like after the race, yeah. just squared up. Yeah, it, that to me, <laughs> that's the appropriate penalty. If if you hit the guy, let the guy. So like settle this in the octagon yeah. type of thing? Yeah, yeah right. for sure. I mean, I don't think it should impact the outcome of the race. IndyCar, uh, look into an octagon. I mean, we, we can talk to Jay Fry, see if they, be great. see what octagon budgets are. It would these be great. Um, and well, I, we had the American Ninja Warrior guys were the uh, Grand Marshals. Maybe oh, they yeah. could hook up some uh, Ninja Warrior type of you competition. Know, I missed all that guys. stuff this year. I missed all the kind of pomp and circumstance. I didn't see um, Christian Bale and the... Uh, Matt Damon. Uh, were they the running around? Center? Yeah, they were there. Oh. Yeah, they, Kelly they, Clarkson they, did they, the anthem. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Kelly Clarkson did the anthem. That was cool. Yeah. But yeah, it was both Matt Damon and Christian Bale um, did the wave the green flag for the initial start. Oh, that's start. cool. And I was curious. I was going to ask you about that next. Yeah, In fact, what I didn't that go was like. see him. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't see any of that stuff. It was. It was very. You know, it was. It was the last time I had an indie experience that was like this. Um, and this was one of my favorite indie experiences ever. But was. 
before I worked at Auto Week, my brother had just randomly bought tickets for me to go, and I ended up going uh, with Christina when we were dating. Um, and it was a you know I had actually I think I did have pretty good access that year because I had to, I was covering something for the Wheels blog at the the Times, uh, mm-hmm. but. I sat in regular seats. I didn't have like media center. I didn't have AC. I brought like a cooler full of beer. It was like a total, you know, like a, and man, it reminded me of how great that event is. Like, like I said, you know, you get spoiled with the, the sweet tickets or whatever, but like for, you know, theoretically a couple hundred bucks, like you're not going to come across a better fan experience than than just going to indie and yeah and, and when you're there and, and when you're live all the processional stuff leading up to it it's, it's all kinda, cool stuff yeah, and it's like kind of annoying to me well okay it, it's it's not nearly as annoying as it is on television yeah right? and um and the driver's parade where well, they have some super cool historic stuff going yeah, out yeah. there and some of the drivers like some of the legends out there some some of that's really great i'd like to see them get down to like two songs like the back home again in indiana and then Maybe the national anthem, or maybe a truncated. You could do half the national anthem. Just yeah. or maybe a Guns N' Roses song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Axl no. Roses from Indiana. Not the national anthem, but the no. but the Nat at yeah. Do, just hit, no, just hit us up. Anthem and back home again, in Indiana, and then just kind of wrap it up. There's like well, Foreigner was there the night or, before. They could have just stayed after yeah. play their greatest. How hits. about how about you play? <laughs> how about you play God Bless America and Cold um, Ice and Back Double Home Indiana. Indiana. At the same time, and, and it was like like dueling piano half, style. Half the audience gets uh, back home in Indiana. Half right, the audience right, gets right, right. It's turn, turns it's one not, and two get one. Turns three, four get the other. It's not that I don't like those songs. It's just um, it's a it's a long build up to a it's race. a lot to sit there and wait through. And I, when you're there though, I to me I didn't mind it at all. On TV, it's like come on, let's go. But like when you're there, to me the whole thing worked out. I mean, it doesn't hurt that you have a, you know some beer and Robin. You watched it on TV. Thing. Did you see it on TV then? This year? This year I saw the stuff on TV. Okay. But I was there for the 100th running? 99th running. What was your I was take? For the did, you, did you have running. a take on NBC's first broadcast for the 500? I mean, it was... It I, was, you know, I'll tell you this much. I did appreciate Dale Earnhardt Jr. being there, and I thought he was very real yeah, and gave some, some good, the, of ex- uh, good experience. Saw some of the after. I thought Danica did a reasonable job. You know, I wasn't... I didn't think it was saw fantastic, Danica. but... Yeah, how's she doing? She seemed she was nice. Some uh, dickhead was yelling at her when she was coming off the track, like uh, after the pre-race. That's uh, awfully rude. Some guy was hollering at her, and I almost I was like, <laughs> clocked him one. Well, verbally it's clocked like him. Got one. a bunch of kids there, you yeah. know. It's like fuck you, buddy. Like who the, who the fuck are you? Uh, <laughs> what, like yelling at her? What? Like just like hollering, like <laughs> just being disrespectful. <laughs> Uh, nice. I'm not gonna. I'm just, not gonna. Just general disrespectful dumb. Well, in, in in the specific way that men are disrespectful yeah. to women when they're yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, to, to be it. fair, if I saw Danica Patrick, uh, I'd say probably. I, I actually, I'd mind my own business, but uh, if I was excited, I'd say, "Oh, Danica," because yeah. she's a race car driver. It wasn't like that. Yeah, um, I doubt it was. We we had the TV on inside the media center, and we got to watch a lot of the broadcast, and they did have the audio on for most of it, and. I mean, Danica was was pretty good, uh, but she did reference her one win at three in the morning in Japan. I think a couple times too many. Well, you know, that's kind of all she she's got a, to hang her hat on. And she is a race winner, she, and she had a, a very long career. She uh, did in the in the sports car. I know you got a thing about Danica. 
I, but uh, no, 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 she had she had a very Al, Al, Al Pierce has the thing about Danica. Well, it's kind of trickled. I think it's kind of poisoned the well with you too. Well, well, well I, I don't, I don't just, I don't have. A either pain. way, as a broadcaster, I thought she gave some reasonable insights. But I, I, Rut, I Rutledge Wood was good. I like that. He's guy. Rutledge good. did a good yeah. job. Yeah. yeah, he had that, you know, that never-ending smile that kept going. Yeah, I appreciate he, that. Well, he's one of those guys who's so good at this stuff because he's. Uh, He's always enthusiastic, and it is like genuine. And yeah, uh, I think genuine's the best way. To yeah, him and Dale it. played yeah. off each other. I, pro- I thought pretty well. Yeah. and they they kept Dale in his lane. I, they didn't come out and say you're going to be a race expert this weekend. Mm-hmm. He kind of went out there as Joe fan, almost like as a fan. Yeah, and, and I thought that, and I it thought came that across worked. as genuine. Like, you know, absolutely, because he took some. They they took a lot of pre race heat on social of like, why is Dale there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, Dylan Hurt and I. Mean, I why don't, why don't they have Kyle? Career. You know, why don't they have you know, <laughs> you know Kyle Petty or somebody doing the, the Indy 500? It made no sense to have Dale Jr. Know. there as the expert. Well, he wasn't there I'm as the sure expert. Sure, Dale's been in but, a test or something. But some the sure um, an open wheel car. Yeah, well, he did the two seater with uh, yeah. Mario over the so weekend. So go. now he's he's he's. he's been oh, in, I've been in a two seater. Have you? Yeah, at Detroit. Yeah, yeah, two years ago, I think. Yeah, but you know, I thought Lee Diffie's team. I thought they did a good job. This is the first time NBC had it, and I think what it was 54, 55 years, something like that. Yeah, we actually watched, and I'm I was like. Actually, just trying to think of why I know how the broadcast looked because I was like, "How did I?" <laughs> I actually remember now that I watched it the day after I watched the replay. Um, uh, right. But I thought it was real slick. The call um, of a very exciting race. I mean, the call oh, was was yeah. phenomenal. Uh, the you know the actual uh, well, Mike Tarico he had never done he had never been there before. Yeah, and he's he f- was a true professional. I and mean, I'll tell you that awesome. Tarico, that's the guy that was with Danica and Dale. He's yeah. from uh, yeah, yeah. He, he lives in Ann Arbor. He's in Ann Arbor. Yeah. yeah, he does a lot of the big event stuff now. I think um, what's cool too is I got, neighbors. I got an email. I got an email from. NBC, I think the day after the race, saying like just the ratings and stuff, and um, it was actually good to see. You know, I usually don't pay attention to any of that stuff, but the, um, they said it was uh, ratings were up eleven percent or something like that. Viewership was up eleven percent. I don't. That's surprising. Yeah. Well, since it said that was the highest rated since uh, the one hundredth running. Okay, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, I figured but, the hundredth would be the biggest. But that's uh, that's good to see. I mean, it's good to see. A NBC putting like their big guns against this, um, and putting out a, a awesome TV package. Yep. And it seems like NBC really has like uh, kind of you know what Auto Week is trying to do on the uh, on our side with trying to consolidate everything. Uh, NBC certainly has has you know <laughs> been consolidating the uh, automotive stuff around this NBC Sports brand and. Um, it's good to see that people are, are watching and paying attention. It's like, you know, if, if you care about sports and if you care about competition, anything competitive, that's as good a, a as good a sporting product as you're going to see on television. Um, certainly better than a lot of the big events that we've seen. I mean, you know, you can watch the uh, maybe the worst Super Bowl in history uh, take place over January or uh, February. You'll see the NBA Finals with the... Yeah, we uh, haven't uh, had too many dud 500s. Yeah, the Warriors just absolutely crushing the Toronto Raptors. uh, Probably a four-game sweep there. Um, That Super Bowl was double painful for me as a Rams fan. It was so bad. But but this, like, it's a very satisfying three-hour package of TV. It's not taken up with a bunch of, like, inconceivably dumb ads. It's just... uh, it's a really, really good sporting product. So it's cool to see that people are paying attention um, and, and, you know, 
that it's working for NBC. Well, and it helps when they've done the picture in picture now, so you don't feel like you've ever really leave yeah. the venue. Yeah. So I mean, for there were years you'd watch the 500 or any race. Yeah. And they'd come back, uh, <laughs> and there's cars all over the track. <laughs> what the heck just happened? There's only yeah. four cars left in the race. <laughs> yeah. Right? Everybody else has just crashed. And I we'll, wish uh, I could tell you what yeah. happened. But. And, well, and, and, and we don't have the capability to uh, uh, you know yeah. replay. It's, so film we, at eleven. We've yeah. It's funny you say that because we were we were three quarters into the race, and this was going to be the most. Indy cars that finished yeah. the 500 until the Sign thing you mentioned with uh, with uh, Bourdais and uh, and Graham. I'm not I'm not dogging on Bourdais. He actually was penalized for uh, what's the bad touching thing. Uh, <laughs> bad you know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, but well, his penalty was avoidable <laughs> contact. But I mean, you get penalized after you're already out of the race is like okay, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, at least Make, he was he was uh, found at fault. Uh, so I'm not for, for I'm not trying to dog here. on him. He's a, he's a very good driver and uh, well, yeah, he's four time. Guy. Four-time uh, champ car slash indie car champion. You can't. Yeah, he's. Uh, you can't luck into that. Yeah, and uh, he's a winner here in Detroit as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, Graham Rahal should get a medal though for not punching him or throwing a helmet or something. Yeah, yeah. he. I thought he was gonna <laughs> do something because he really jumped bad. up and he he, yeah. he he came up to his car before well, he was, he was out. Yeah. yeah, he didn't let him even. Yeah, and I think Sebastian was like, "I'm just gonna, I'll just wait." <laughs> I'm wearing a helmet. <laughs> yeah. I'm surrounded by a car. You're right. He wasn't you're even trying gonna, to get out. Gonna, gonna when, when Graham came over, he just kind of sat there. Yeah, he's he like, said, "All oh, my stuck in the my car. English is not so good." Yeah. French, yeah. sorry. Yeah, um, you can punch the car all you want. It's not gonna hurt me. Uh, so that's an experienced driver there. So I think um, that's that's indie, and we could talk about it all day. Another fantastic uh, indie experience. And if you haven't gone. Just go, 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 go. Uh, and yeah. when you're in Indianapolis, I'll buy your tickets. Email me. Go to Speedway, where the track is, and then yeah. go to uh, Charlie Brown's. It's one of you my know, favorite I, restaurants. I actually, the Airbnb place where I had a good burger joint downstairs, and it looked like a kind of corporate. Uh, I was not going to be impressed with it. It's so like beer house or, or burger house or something like that. It was actually very good, right there on the waterfront. I think that's after my time. Yeah. Yeah, it's new for sure. Um, we uh, have a couple more interviews to get to, uh, but I did want to talk about Monaco. Uh, actually, not much to talk about at Monaco. Uh, the <laughs> oh, same thing happened. Let me just say real quick, Monaco is way more interesting than what you're about to hear from Lewis Hamilton here. won. All right. No, that's actually, that's all we have for Monaco. We're going to cut Mercedes won. Yeah. a uh, quick interview with uh, Jack Hawksworth, a sports car driver. Hell, uh, hell of a race at Mid-Ohio. Yep. He, Coming uh, off a win. Yep, and and someone too uh, who's who's been impressive pretty much everywhere he's been um, in his in his young career, but coming off a a good win for Alexis, the number fourteen, Aim Vassar Sullivan Lexus, um, pulling off the uh, pulling off the victory at Mid Ohio. So we'll cut to that interview quickly, and then uh, we will uh, follow that up with some time with our buddy Ed Jones. In studio for the podcast today, a special, make that very special guest. We have Jack Hawksworth, IMSA driver, uh, GTD class, re- driving the number 14 AIM Vassar Sullivan Lexus. And not just driving it, but driving very well, coming off a win at Mid-Ohio and now coming to Detroit. Uh, it's got to feel pretty good to be on top step of the podium finally. Yeah, I mean, thank you for having me, first of all. Um you just touched upon coming off a win at Mid Ohio, uh, which was fantastic. Uh, first win for the Ainvast Sullivan team. Uh, first win uh, of 2019 for the Lexus RCF uh, GT3. So we're all really kind of uh, you know happy uh, happy about that, and now super motivated to to get back out there this weekend and uh, try and make something else happen in Detroit. 
Well, you know, and you look up, you guys are third in the points right now. And that's got to be super exciting now. I mean, you, you got a chance to do something really special this year. Exactly, yeah. We're in the fight. Um, you know, and as a team, I think we're second and third in points at the minute. We've got both Lexus uh, in the top the top three. So that's, um, you know, that's obviously, you know, fantastic for the team, fantastic for, for Lexus, the brand. So, um, yeah, really, uh, really pumped with how we start the season. Well, we got to talk a little bit about Detroit, the Chevy uh, Detroit Grand Prix this weekend. Uh, that track for you, uh, experiences out here before? What, what kind of track is it for you? Yeah, this is an interesting circuit. Uh, I've raced here in Indy cars. I've raced here in um, in sports cars the last few years. Um, it's, uh, you know, for the IMSA series, typically it's a bit of, um, a, I guess, a, a different type of track than we normally go to. majority of the circuits we go to are, uh, you know, purpose-built road courses. This is a street circuit, temporary uh, temporary track, so there's a lot of barriers, a lot more bumps than we would normally have on, sure. a, on a generic track. So uh, for me, I've always loved street circuits. That's something which I, I really enjoy, enjoy the challenge of that. And uh, obviously coming to Detroit, um, it's it's one of the few street tracks we do. Uh, it's actually the only street track uh, the GT Daytona cars go to. So, um, you know, really looking forward to this one. Do you think your uh, IndyCar experience out here is going to help a little bit? Um, I think the fact I've been here so many times helps. I've uh, I've been here several times in IndyCar. Actually, first time I came here in IndyCar, I qualified third yep. um, straight out of the box. So I've always been quick at this track. It's always a track which has kind of suited my driving style, if you will. Uh, been here the last two years with the Lexus RCF. Um, and that car's always worked really well at this circuit. And again, we've always been uh, pretty strong speed-wise. So it's a, it's a track I always, uh, I always look forward to coming out to. Now, you guys qualify, I guess, on Friday night uh, yeah. uh, for this year's race. That's probably the race within the race. I mean, you want to qualify. you got to qualify in the first five or six, don't you? Yeah, qualifying is important here, especially because it's a shorter race. Usually in the IMSA series, we tend to race, you know, perhaps longer races than the normal 24 hours of Daytona, right. 12 hours of Sebring. This is a 100-minute sprint race. So it means for our class, there'll be one pit stop, one driver change, um, and it'll be pretty much flat out all the way through the race. So qualifying will be important. We have to try to start near the front and then... Uh, Try to stay there if we can. So with the one driver change, then Jack, we're with, we're talking with Jack Hawksworth. Uh, what's which sex uh, stint will you have? Have you, have you figured that out yet? Are you going to be the opening stint, or are you going to be bringing it home? So, so I'll bring I'll bring the car home. Um, so the way the regulations work in the IMSA series this year in the GTD GT Daytona class, um, there is a situation where um, it's basically a pro am category in terms of uh, each car must have a professional driver and each car must have an amateur driver and in qualifying the amateur driver must qualify and he must start the race so in a in a race like this uh, my teammate will start the race and I'll finish the race well your teammates had a pretty good season too fantastic I mean this is a I mean when you get into a GTD situation where it, where it is you know I say call it a pro-am but some of these ams have a lot of experience yes and, and they're not yeah, yeah. you know they're not like uh, coming off the street uh, jumping in a car no no it's, it's not uh, it's not <laughs> like that whatsoever um, these it's just a, a basically a classification from the FIA who are the, the mm-hmm. governing obviously government body worldwide for um, for this this type of racing um, they uh, rank a driver by his level of experience basically and if you fall in a certain category then you are classified as am and if you uh, fall in another category you're classified as pro but the am guys are or am classification guys are, are very very fast there's some exceptional ones with massive amounts of experience and my teammate uh, a guy called Richard Highstand he's got a really unique story in racing 
um, raced in the junior open wheel categories, Formula Atlantic, things like that. Stopped racing for a long period of time. Came back last year, raced in Porsche uh, Super Cup in Europe. Uh, was successful, and uh, he's had he's been phenomenal this year. He qualified the car on pole position last time out in Mid Ohio, and that was really what set us up to be able to to win that race. So um, obviously, it's great to have somebody you know so strong driving alongside me, and uh, I'm super excited to see what he can do this weekend as well. Well, and you guys, sounds like you may have a little bit of an unusual situation that not a lot of other teams out there have two guys that have open wheel experience. You know, that's kind of an interesting teammate now. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. Uh, generally, a lot of the guys at some point have driven open wheel during their career, especially the uh, the pro guys. A lot of them will have driven uh, in the junior formula uh, open wheel. Some some perhaps not, but yeah, there's a great mix of, uh, of di- diversity in terms of drivers. That's what's great about this kind of racing, to be honest, is... Uh, the drivers are coming from all corners of the globe with all different experience and all different categories. Um, you know, not kind of one specific route to get there. Uh, the the cars and the brands involved are from all different you know ta- you know places in the globe. Basically, all the models are production based car with obviously uh, you know racing technology built into them. Um, but it's uh, you know nothing. It's very diverse series. Nothing spec. Everything is is very open and uh, it makes for exciting racing and uh, interesting competition. Well, Jack, it's got to be cool racing for podiums now. I mean, you you were in IndyCar with AJ Foyt, and it was tough to get to the podium. I mean, that's a that's a tough field. You were you know younger driver, a little less experience, but now it looks like there's a little twinkle in your eye. You enjoy uh, coming to the track, knowing that you got a chance to to win races. It's good, yeah. I mean. For for me, it's the first time since you know, kind of 2014, really, where uh, when I was racing for Brian in IndyCar, um, you know, we were on the podium and and had some strong results and things like that. It's the first time since then, really, that um, we've had that. You know, I've been in that position where I'm now fighting for uh, the top positions and um, you know podiums again. So I'm obviously you know really happy about that. I've got a great car in the Lexus RCF. Lexus have you know, you know they're they're pushing um, you know the, the their RCF in, in racing it's a fantastic car and I think a lot of people they associate Lexus with luxury but it, you know it's, it's 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 performance as well and I think that's sure. what we're showing now on the racetrack we're showing that you know Lexus is a luxury and a performance vehicle and um, it's it's great for me to have to have the confidence in the car that I do and then to have a team like Aim Vassar Sullivan a uh, great group of guys um the program's really coming together nicely now. And as a driver, that's obviously fantastic because at the end of the day, I want to win races. That's all I'm here to do. And, um, you know, I've got the team around me to do that and, and I've got the equipment to do that. So I'm very happy about it. Now, you've had an interesting career in that you've uh, driven for a couple of champions in AJ Foyt and now Jimmy Vassar. Uh, different personalities? I mean, very different, um, you know. Uh, that's kind of a loaded question. Uh, yeah, very different. I, I got great with Jimmy um, and, and 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 James Sullivan and Andrew Bardeen. And as I said, like the guys who are working on this program, um, the guys from guys from the team at Ambassador Sullivan, the guys from Lexus, we just have a really good group of people. Um, you know, there's things we can do better still and we're, we're going to keep improving and chipping away, but... Overall, I've really enjoyed enjoyed that experience. I, I say Jimmy's super relaxed guy, great to get on with, and uh, you know I think he's uh, we, we're going about going about things in the in, you know in the correct in the correct manner. Now, is Jimmy a coach too? I mean, he's been out here, he's done all this stuff in racing. I mean, is he a guy that'll tap you on the shoulder and say, uh, "Hey, James, let's try this," or "Hey, have you tried?" You know, is he a coach or is he just kind of let you do your thing? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jimmy's with anyone like Jimmy who is you know 
Jimmy's a smart guy. He's, he's very, he's, you know, he's clever and he has great experience in racing. And it's also it's modern experience, so he, it's not like he he drove in the sixties or seventies. His cars are closer to you know, not you know, the racing's not changed that much in the last. 15, 20 years. So his experience uh, and his understanding of the sport and, and things like that, I always, you, you have to listen to him and, and pick his brain when you can because he, he's he's always got valuable insight into everything. So for sure. Well, I, I, you know, we've seen him win, 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 you know, win open wheel races. We've seen him win the, you know, the championship, the Indy 500, all the, you know, big races that he's been in the, he's been in the mix. Speaking of the Indy 500, Jack, you got a chance to watch a little bit of it, uh, I assume this week, uh, just as a race fan, uh, what kind of a show was it for you? I thought the ending was was fantastic. Um, I it's the first time I've ever sat and watched the the, the whole race. Obviously, I, I've competed in it before, um, and the last couple of years, for whatever reason, I just didn't I didn't get around to watching it. But this time, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch it. Um, so I sat down, and uh, I, the first few laps was mega exciting, um, and then I felt like there was a period for about a hundred laps where it looked like the cars really were struggling to follow and pass, and so I was a little bit concerned that the race was going to be a little a little bit too static and then um and then when with that yellow at the end and with it bunching it all back up it turned into an absolute you know a great little shoot out there at the end between Pagano and Rossi uh initially I was kind of leaning towards the Andretti car looking like the the best car out there with with Rossi and then when I thought Pagano was going to win it was there's a period in the race when he was following Newgarden after yeah. he'd let him pass and he could follow Joseph so so close the, the other cars couldn't and I thought right okay he'll he'll probably get this and then and then he got it so it was yeah, a good race having been in that race uh, you'll probably never watch it the same way again I mean you because you're like you say you're watching it kind of as a driver now you're watching it you say well I see what he's doing here and uh, I see where he can make his move and I see he may be in second but I know he's stronger because of what he's doing out there yeah I think you can see as a, as a driver I think with any kind of racing when you've when, when you've done it you um I guess maybe have a bit more of a, an in-depth view of what's going on than perhaps kind of the average viewer would just just watching the race so you can kind of tell which cars look good you can tell which drivers look good you can tell uh you know where the strategy is going a little bit more and things like that so you can see a lot on the tv actually which at the track you, you don't see so when you're in that little bubble and you're competing um you know you're on the pit wall and you're trying to call strategy and things like that actually when you're in your own living room and you take all the madness away. Perhaps you see things which you wouldn't see um, when you're quite so close up. So it's interesting. Now I enjoy watching racing and uh, enjoy seeing, uh, you know, seeing how the race plays out. And you know, not quite having, not, but not being in that environment. It's interesting. When you're now in IMSA and with a teammate situation, is it tough to watch your teammate out there because you know that you're you're in that car too, whether you're in the pits or not? Because how he does is how you're going to do. That's got to be kind of tough sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's just another element to it, you know, yeah. multi-driver racing. You know, when you're in a, an open wheel scenario, an IndyCar car scenario, um, you it's are the you. yeah, you're the only driver in the, in in that car, right? So uh, from from that perspective, it's a little bit different. Um, it's it's you know I enjoy the the teammate aspect of it. There's a there's you know, obviously motorsport as a whole is a is a team is a team sport. Whether it's open wheel or whether there's three drivers, two drivers, there's a massive team behind the driver and and surrounding him, which is you know ultimately what usually makes the difference in terms of the you know the overall result. Um, but having you know teammates who you share the car with and bounce ideas off and you're really working with that's uh you know it's, it's a lot of fun and obviously there's times when you're not in the car and you you know you wish you could do something or you you know you wish you could uh uh affect the result but it's just another thing that you have to um 
I guess, get your head around. Because when you're not in the car, you almost need to disconnect. You know, if, if my teammate's out there, Richard's doing his job, you know, there's nothing I can do for Richard at that at that point. So, uh, you know, or I can do for the team at that point. I just have to almost, you know, sit back, relax. And then when I get into the car, do do my bit. So it's uh, being able to switch off when you're not in the car is, is pretty important, I guess. Uh, definitely a different dynamic than anything you're used to. I mean, that's just all your mindset all the way through, the, you know, your whole career has been, I got to get this done. Well, now it's, geez, I hope my teammate can get his, you know, hold up his end as well. And we'll see how we fare. And it's like you say, so far, it's been a great season. Third in the points with a chance at a championship here with a couple more strong finishes. Hopefully starting out uh, this weekend in Detroit. Exactly, yeah. Hopefully it should be a good circuit. It should suit our car well. And uh, Alexis always runs well there. So um, hopefully we can, uh, yeah, we can we can put a good race the weekend together and get a result. Well, Jack Hawks were a driver of the yeah. number 14. Aim Vazor Sullivan Lexus will be rooting for you this year out on Belle Isle this weekend. And good, good, you know, good luck on a championship run. This looks like it could be your year. Appreciate it. We're looking forward to it. Okay, uh, so that was Jack. Uh, good to hear from him. Um, good to see uh, that that uh, Lexus program doing well um, in uh, in IMSA. Um, in, you know, obviously a very very competitive field. So um, we will uh, be looking out for him this weekend in Detroit. Um, we're going to cut now to some time with Ed Jones, uh, driver for uh, Ed Carpenter Racing in IndyCar. Okay, we're really excited to have Ed Carpenter Racing's Ed Jones with us um, to talk for a few minutes, coming here right in the studio. Thank you for coming, Ed. Yes, yeah, nice to be here and um, looking forward to the weekend. Now, just to give people a quick understanding of who you are, if, if someone were to put a gun in my head, I would say you have an English accent, but you're <laughs> actually from Dubai. So tell us a little bit about uh, where you were born and how that came about. Yes, I was born and grew up in Dubai. Um, started right, went to school there, um, and started racing there as well. But I have British parents, and I went to English school, so that's part of the reason. And it does make that quite difficult when people ask me where I'm from. I have to it depends how much time I have to explain. <laughs> okay, well you got a, you got a minute. How do you get from Dubai to Detroit? Yeah, I mean, you're in Detroit yeah. now. I mean, how do you get to the, from Dubai to the IndyCar series? I, I think an airplane. Yeah, uh, there you go. It's 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 not your typical And that takes way more than a minute, Mike. I know, but it's not your typical path, is yeah. it? No, it's it's quite different. Um, you know, things change along the way. Initially, I wanted to do Formula 1 as in Dubai, a lot of the racing you watch was European and, and like that. And I raced in Europe for quite a while. Um, I won European Open Formula 3 Championship. And then, fortunately, I broke my back. And that's when uh, things kind of changed. And I actually discovered more the, the American racing scene and decided to come and do uh, Indy Lights. Because no, it, wait a minute. You broke your back. You, you say that like that just everybody does that. Now, what, well, a few wait, Mike, are you saying you haven't broken your back? <laughs> no. Yeah, I that's mean, super, you can't, super common. It's kind of like you're, bury, you're burying the lead here. There's a, that's a big part of your life, it sounds like. Um, yeah. No, it did change quite a few things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, fortunately, I was able to overcome that. And uh, I tried to get back to racing earlier than I should have. I had three epidurals to try and get mm. back in the car mm. and it was fine for that first weekend but then it quickly came back with the pain yeah um backs are stubborn that way <laughs> yeah yeah but um yeah from doing that and then um the team i was with at the time was carlin and uh actually trevor 
had decided well was just thinking about doing indie lights for the next season that's the team owner trevor yeah trevor carlin yeah and so um it was just you know things worked out you know we were both thinking similar things and it was just like the perfect uh route to go to work with them mm. come with some fam- familiarity into the states because i didn't know anyone over here any teams or anything so it was nice to keep that that the same and for 2015 was my first year so Describe a little bit because England is obviously world famous for developing race car drivers, especially yep. road racers. And obviously there's a lot of English r- roots in Dubai. Um, but what was it like coming up into the racing world with Dubai karting and Dubai single seater championships as opposed to Britain or Europe? Yeah, you know, I did a lot of karting when I started from when I started when I was four, and then I actually started racing in Europe when I was twelve in go karts, and that was the first time that I started doing that. It was actually the World Championships in a, in a Rotax series, it was called. And then I started racing in England up and from twelve until well, England and Europe from twelve until fifteen, which is when I first moved into cars. And um, in Dubai, it was you know it was good for just learning to drive and you know i raced i won a lot there but there wasn't many competitors and um but it was interesting i think one of the things which helped me with the driving was you don't get obviously you don't get rain over there so that was something which i hadn't learned from there you were jumping that was my next question um, (laughs) but funny enough the sand you know you had when the sand was on the track sometimes you'd go to the racetrack it'd be like eight seconds off 10 seconds off oh, wow so although it wasn't rain you know the track changed so much every time you went and so grip changes grip changed so much sudden changes in yeah. grip could be yeah. similar so um for car control it was good and learning to adapt to the circuit as it changed was probably a big thing that which helped me along the way yeah that's amazing so uh you ended up you ended up uh, going through formula three in europe yeah. made that transition to indy lights you got introduced into Indy Lights through Carlin. Yeah. You won that championship next year. Yeah. And how did you enjoy American racing versus European racing? What were the differences you found? It's just, it's a lot more raw, I guess. Um, you know, the, the circuit's a lot more old school. It reminded me more of when I raced in, in England, actually, my first year, when you're racing like Brands Hatch, Orton Park, um, Thruxton tracks where you didn't really have any space for making a mistake and, yeah 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 um it was a lot of fun mid-ohio um, yeah road america uh, the, road atlanta yeah yeah no the racing's really good the cars are, are fun to drive um and but also i do miss some of the european stuff as well you know it's good to to you know there's things that i like from both and i think i like the diversity of the tracks in america i love oval racing now um unfortunately i'm not doing all the ovals this year um, because I think there's actually probably my favorite thing of the series. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of years ago, we were talking with Spencer Piggott, who okay. was in your position, yeah, yeah. had the had the rogue courses at Ed Carpenter yeah. Racing, and you know that was his hope to graduate to full season. You're you're kind of taking a different path because yeah. you did have a full season, yeah, and now you're doing just road courses. Yeah. Is it just you're just following the opportunities? And yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. with Scuderia Corsa this year with Ed Carpenter Racing and um they just did the indy 500 last year this year they're doing the indy 500 plus the rolling street courses with me and so they're they're a team that have had a lot of success in gts and and with the ferrari and they're racing imsa as well and 
they really have the possibility to to go go full time and um be a real contenders in the future in the series so um it's a great opportunity for me and um it's something which i really want to pursue and um although we're not full time at the moment i think for long term it's a great place to be and you talk about uh some of your experiences here you had a pretty good one last week in indianapolis or actually last month you had a couple yeah. of a couple of good races uh, tell me a little bit about your 500 experience this year i mean you were you finished in the top half of the field qualified yeah. really well um was it you know tell me about your tell me about yeah, that experience. Was, you know it was a good month for us you know especially after the first part of the season was really tough for both, both for the whole team really but uh indy grand prix we made huge step forward with um with the setup and uh we've I qualified fifth and I finished sixth, I yep. think. So um, that was a you know solid weekend for us. And then going into the Oval, we were strong every day we went out. Apart from race day was probably our weakest day. So that was... But qualifying fourth at Indianapolis yeah. in the field this year, that was an accomplishment. And yeah. I mean, do, do you wink to Ed and say, hey, get me back on these ovals. I can I can do these ovals, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, <laughs> I said, I love ovals and... Um, you know, ever since my my rookie year, Indy, when I finished third, um, it's been my fav- one of my favorite times of the year, and um, especially with how strong we were this month, it was a bit of a disappointing race day, because I think we were, I think a lot of the days I was in the top three in, in speed charts, whether it be no toe or or with the toe, and just can't see up there, so. It's a bit bit annoying not to not to finish out that way, but um, again, Indy is just a track which changes so much, and with the temperature, the wind, and all these different factors, one moment your car can be great, the next it can be quite a bit out the window. Did Ed, you think? Um, go ahead. Ed, Ed, talk about the five hundred though. You say you didn't have a great day. I mean, you still finished thirteenth, which yeah. isn't bad. But we, you know, on TV, we're just seeing all of the, the the dicing at the front of the race. Yeah. How was it in that next at that next tier? Because you were probably in that second tier group that was fighting for that top ten. Yeah, we were, you know, initial start of the race, we were up there, in, you know, in the top six or seven, and still in that lead pack, and then our second pit stop, we lost a lot of time, and that put us back in the pack, and once you get back there, it's very hard to recover, um, because although they improved the tyres for this year, um, which is why the racing was a bit better, it's still, you know, first and second can overtake as much as they like. Any Like any car on the grid, if they were first and second, you can pass non-stop. It's not really that difficult. But um, as soon as you start going back, third gets more difficult. Fourth is even more. And fifth, it's like getting really difficult. And past that point, there wasn't really much happening after the first two laps after a restart or start. Was it just turbulence? Just or the turbulence, yeah. yeah you know, the, these cars don't have enough downforce, mm. basically. And I think, I know a lot of people didn't like the look of the, the old era kits in 2017, but... For driver included, yeah. to be yeah. fair, yeah. But for a driver, I thought it was way better. You know, you got rewarded for being aggressive. You could make make things happen. Whereas now, at the moment, you saw last year, especially last year, it was basically all down. Well, a lot more down to the car than anything because mm-hmm. you you were just holding on with what you could have. You're so um, grip limited that the car, the difference between the cars was actually more noticeable. Mm. Whereas in 2017, you had that arrow and if you were an aggressive driver and you could really pull off some good moves, it was it was more exciting. Well, what was the feeling on the grid, though, when you're sitting there starting fourth and you realize that that grid is 2.4 seconds, I guess, difference from first to 33rd? Yeah. I mean, everybody is running the same. There had to be a little bit of a anxious moment or two at the start of that race when you realize you got you know 29 guys behind yeah. you 
just uh, breathing down your neck right from the start. No, for sure. You always get a bit nervous. But I don't know. For my, oh, that's my third 500. It was probably the most relaxed I felt. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you always want more. And uh, it was... It's always interesting the first time. We just we just struggled with, with a few things, especially like the starts and restarts. We couldn't really get going off the line. And um, if you saw in that race, I think that the biggest moments, the three keys to the 500 this year were the start, the restarts, and the pit stops. And yeah. unfortunately, I think those were probably our, our weakest links. <laughs> um, well, because once once the race settled out, after those first two laps, after yeah. each restart, that was it, really. Was it uh, a tire temperature issue or uh, well, something else? I think as the track temp got hotter, I think as a team, we struggled a little bit more than like the Penske's and that. Yeah. So. And that gets back to what you were saying, you know, it was everything looked really good until race day. Yeah. Would you say that you guys fell off somehow or do you think that the other teams adapted to the conditions better and yeah. caught up in that way i think you know everyone when the temperature gets hot everyone falls off a bit because from optimum performance but um obviously the others tend to to, to keep a bit more than, than we did we tend to fall off a bit more got it so. okay yeah so um it's is this is kind of a cheesy feel weird saying it but i do feel also some obligation to say it alonzo that was a big deal that alonzo's gonna yeah. be at the 500 again then didn't even qualify and yeah. i believe it was with a carlin car yeah i think it was yeah it's complicated you know um, yeah so i mean as a regular indy car driver yeah. what was it like for alonzo to get that attention and then to have the performance that he did i like alonzo i think you know he's a fantastic driver you know one of the best out there but it was also like it was although it would have been really great to have him in the race it was also like quite a good thing for motorsport in general because like nothing nothing not taking anything away from alonso but you know motorsport is so dependent on the car you have um and you know there's certain people who look who are out there and always been in the best car and look like superstars the whole time and you look obviously he did great with Renault when he won the championships it was a, a dominant car he won Daytona with the best team. He won Le Mans with a no competition. Um, and, you know, it shows you that, you know, although there's these world champions out there, of course they're great drivers, but you put them in average equipment or not the best equipment, they're not going to do these things. They're not going to win everything like a lot of fans think that's the way it is. Yeah, his um, foot can't go any farther than flat as opposed to your foot. It Flat is the same for him as yeah, it is but, for you. And also, like, again, it shows again... 2017 when he came with Andretti he was with the best team you know the best car and everything and he made it look easy but again when you're in that situation he's been fortunate you know success breeds success you get you're fortunate to have a good run you get these opportunities and you always look like a superstar but as soon as you get put in a similar situation to what 99% of every other racing driver has you, you see what it's like so ultimately the the difference between you know, the number one and 25 or 30 driver isn't that great out there at that level. It's I mean, you so guys are small. Of course, good. of course, there's <laughs> the top guys out there and there's always that difference. But the difference is much smaller than people realize. And you give the anyone, you give pretty much anyone an opportunity in the, in these top, well, in IndyCar now that the competition is so high that 
put them in the best car, they're going to be right up there. Now, did you watch the? Did you get a chance to watch the race afterwards to kind of see what was going on in the front between Pagenaud and Rossi? The, yeah, I watched the replays of that. Well, I what do you, you think race. about Rossi and, and Pagenaud's performance those last thirteen laps? Oh, it was I mean, great. that was fantastic. No, it was for really the fans. Good. I was one of other drivers thought. I thought it was really good. I thought Pagenaud did a, a really good job there to um, you know hold Rossi off and played him a bit i think with, with when he passed and um yeah i agree with that i think it was so. really yeah. good i think you know rossi obviously drove ex- extremely well i think maybe so- he got maybe a little bit ahead of himself and got a bit aggressive early on but um it was great to see what passion did yeah i kind of thought rossi might have played it a little too early he, i think yeah. he had him if he would have waited but, but a little again longer, i think but... most it's so easy to say that yeah. in hindsight, right? <laughs> well, that's why we do that. It's a lot easier to say things, so yeah. that's why we Especially say since we don't have to go into a car yeah, and exactly. back it up next week. Or when that's, that's the trick, when you're given the, you just say things. <laughs> when you're given the opportunity to pass, I guess, you know, for the win in the last five laps of the 500, you got to take it because you don't know. There's so many other factors that can right, go on. Imagine right. a yellow came out, that you know? Happen, yeah. you got to take it. And so, yeah, it's easy to look at it now. So you're, 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 uh, you come from European parents yeah you're in dubai uh, obviously a road racing past formula one was the original goal but you've said twice now how much you loved ovals and yeah. uh, you know how you appreciate the month of may so much what is it from your perspective what is it about the oval that's novel that's different that's interesting that you enjoy it's more of a mental challenge than uh you know road or street courses i don't think i've ever been since i started racing been scared on a road or street course you know you don't get that there's nothing that's really frightening but there's quite a few times on oval where you're like what am i doing or that was like a bit on the edge um and so i guess it's just yeah it's just a feeling it's more you know when it goes well it's more it's a greater feeling more of an achievement and um more rewarding because it can be scary and uh it's more a mental challenge and i guess maybe goes closer back to you know the guys that raced in the 60s or so when things were more dangerous and even on the road and street courses it was you know that was probably a lot more frightening um of course safety has come to such a a great level now um you know there's some big accidents this in the month of may and fortunately no one was hurt and it's just testament to how much they've improved that um but yeah that's why you know i guess over racing people getting a bit more comfortable with it but you still got to realize how fast you're going well, we're talking with uh, Fearless Ed Jones, uh, getting ready for a weekend now on the road course in Detroit where uh, you had some great success last year. I mean, it's a good place for you. Um, but on the flip side, you have to flip that switch, don't you, from from so much energy going into that oval at Indy to coming here four or five days later, yeah. total opposite everything. I mean, how, yeah, how I know. That, we've got to turn tra- right now. Yeah, well. how does that transition work? How's that, how are you in that transition, though? I mean, when you go out there tomorrow and start practicing and qualifying, it's yeah. going to be crazy, isn't it? No, that's one of the great things about the IndyCar series is the diversity in the tracks. You know, we had the Indy Grand Prix, permanent road course to the oval, now to a street course. So um, it's great to have that. And, you know, to be successful in the series, you've got to be able to change from each one and be on it immediately so um no, it's a lot of fun this track is crazy so bumpy and it rewards being aggressive and different uh we, we talked about sand before you have pavement changes yeah so you have you have friction changes there so yeah. grip changes bumps all kinds of things going on and yeah there's a lot of concrete walls next yeah. to you so no, it's a lot of fun and last year i learned just a, a huge amount i generally don't like to drive that style i drive generally quite smooth but I just got to a point after, I think, free practice one last year, and I was just like, I can't 
do this it doesn't work so i just drove like an animal and attended to work in the end well that your last podium was here last yeah. year and uh, you had a sixth and a third i mean you you can get a lot of points uh, with a couple of good finishes this weekend and uh you know move up into that top 10 maybe yeah exactly you know that's the goal we got to um secure some good results i think after the, the rough start to the beginning of the season we're on a pretty good run now and um if we could you know even just two more top 10s that'd be a great way to to get the momentum uh, going and uh, hopefully be even stronger in the races to come. How closely are you looking at the weather forecast? Sounds like it's raining pretty hard right now. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, sh- I qualified in the wet last year here. Actually, I qualified fourth as well, and I quite like the wet. But after we learned at Indy last weekend, everyone was like, we're not going to run the race till Wednesday, and it was like the perfect day. So... Um, I tend not to look at the, the weather forecast anymore and just wake up on the day and go with the flow. Yeah, I think we're going to be fine this weekend. And yeah. It's going to be hot and a little bit hotter than it's been. So, uh, But again, it was hot down there for Indy for some of those days. Yeah. So you guys probably are, are fine. And you know, you bring your last year's setup, you'll be, you'll be fine on uh, race day, won't you? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, as it was a huge pleasure to get to know you a little bit, Ed. Thank you for talking with us so much, and uh, good luck this weekend. Okay, Thanks for having me. Okay, thanks to uh, to Ed Jones for joining us on a very interview-heavy uh, episode of the Auto Week podcast. In fact... It is the season. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have all these guys coming through town. Um, we want to thank our guests, uh, Ed Jones, Jack Hawksworth, Jordan Taylor, Johnny O'Connell, Graham Ray Hall, and the legendary... Legendary. Rick okay. Mears, uh, who I, I think I mentioned in the last pod, I... Uh, was kind of afraid to screw up in front of when we were interviewing him. So I was, I didn't ask him as many questions as, as some of the other guys. Cause, uh, as I said, I could probably live with, uh, Jordan Taylor, uh, thinking I'm an idiot. I think Johnny O'Connell already knows I'm an idiot. Cause I went to driving school with him. Uh, Graham, I could probably live with too, but if Rick Mears thinks I'm a dipshit, that would be hard for me to do. Uh, so, hard to live with after that. Yeah. So now he thinks I I just don't know a lot about him. Um, which I mean that's a it's fine. That's uh, acceptable. Prefer, it's way preferable. Um, but thanks to all those guys for oh, star studded. Yeah. Podcast. Very very good pod. We've come a long way. You know gentlemen. if we if we could do uh, <laughs> this kind of pod every week, I think we'd really have something. Um, <laughs> we could just turn yeah, full time potters. Yeah. But um, like I said, thanks to those guys for joining us. Um, a big thanks to you for listening. A big thanks to you, the listener, uh, whoever you are. There's a great way to are. thank yourself. Five stars. <laughs> uh, download it on the other devices, all that stuff. Um, if you work in a school, somehow get into the network and download the podcast to every device to you have. Frame. All right. We will be back. Uh, in seven days. Seven days. Uh, if you can wait that long. If not. We got old episodes, baby. You can listen to those really bad old ones. All right. Thanks. Thanks.